Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cloud and Clear. I am Michael Ames, Managing Director of Vertical Markets at SADA and Insight Company, and really excited to be with you today. In these episodes, we get to pull in a lot of different people among our customers and our partners and people doing exciting and innovative things. What's kind of fun today is getting a chance to introduce you to and help you get to know a member of my own team. Um, in my role, I am privileged to lead our team of industry experts and strategists and advisors working across a number of industries to help make sure that SADA is delivering real and valuable services to our customers and helping to solve some of their most difficult problems. Joyce Mueller is with me today. She is uh, director of our retail industry solutions and just came back from the National Retail Federation Conference, is here to give us a little report out, share some of her insights. Welcome, Joyce. Thanks, Michael. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. Will you take just a minute to kind of introduce yourself to our audience, let them know a little bit about your background, and then we're going to dive in on NRF. Sure. As uh, Michael said, I'm Director of Retail Solutions at SADA. Uh, I've been in this role about a year, working to uh, help customers uh, modernize existing systems with data and AI and building out a whole portfolio of uh, retail-specific solutions, as well as do some advisory on trends uh, in retail and how to take a little look ahead into what's coming next. Um, prior to this role, I was at Google Cloud, and I was head of customer engineering for uh, retail uh, strategic teams, which was awesome because I got a view to retail uh, Google Cloud's top retail customers and what they were doing and how they were progressing with the latest technologies in cloud. It was quite an education. I had some fabulous mentors there. I would shout out to that whole team. I happened to see most of them at NRF this week, which was fabulous. Had a great lunch with a wonderful view with some friends of mine. Uh, so we all caught up and it was terrific. Glad to hear that it was time well, time well spent and you had a chance to learn some things. To start us off, could you just anchor us? Was there one message or moment that, that, that kind of hit you that felt like that's profound, that, that is a valuable insight. I think the message across just about every session, especially the ones that were just retailers for retailers, uh, the keynotes and the, and the featured, featured um, speakers <clears throat> was about change. And in particular, uh, the opening keynote, uh, the US president of Walmart, John Ferner, got up and talked. And he used a quote from Sam Walton to, to put it like this, he said, uh, Sam Walton um, said, you can't just keep doing what worked one time. Everything around you is changing. To succeed, stay out in front of change. And this is uh, the story behind that is, you know, Walmart went from being a general merchandiser, as we know, to doing pharmacy and grocery, and then, uh, and then moved on to a, a giant in digital e-commerce as well as uh, omnichannel fulfillment. Uh, retailers are resilient. Uh, over the past five years, like, the change from pre-pandemic to now and the way that you shop, I'm sure everyone can relate to the way you shop, um, is much different, uh, much more personalized, much more frictionless, and lots of different modes are being used. So retailers are in a constant state of keeping up with, with, with technology-driven uh, shifts. We sort of live here, particularly in your industry practice, you're living here at that intersection of, of the retail industry and the technology industry lay those things across each other. And there's probably not a six month period where there isn't some significant, interesting advancement or change or things like that. I don't, I don't know what year Sam Walton said that, you know, the, the thing is to stay out in front of the change. I wonder if when he said that he had any concept mm -hmm. of just the, the rate and the degree of change 
that, uh, that the technology industry was going to bring into retail, right? And, and, and the challenge that he was putting in front of his, in front of his colleagues saying, you got to keep up with it, even if it's long and hard. Yeah, I doubt, I doubt he could have imagined. And so doesn't that make you question what will happen in the next 10 years? Uh, the things that we're going to look back yeah. on today and say, well, that was an easy problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's dig into some of those details then. So, so the theme is uh, change is happening. Um, the mandate is retailers need to stay out in front of it. Maybe take us through a few of the topics that you observed that were big topics at, at NRF and, and what retailers are doing to try to stay out in front of that change. As you'd probably expect, if you had a bingo board, uh, Gen AI would have been hit over and over and over and over again. So that was definitely a theme, although I see that as a more of a technology. Uh, but retailers are definitely wrestling right now with how to adopt it, what to do with it, uh, how to get the most value out of it. Out of it. Um, that was certainly a theme. And then, then a couple others, I would say, are unified commerce uh, is an evolution of just not just omnichannel, but really merging uh, that experience of online to offline seamlessly. Uh, modern store was a big theme. And then um, one that kind of caught me, my interest more, uh, simply because I haven't dealt with it as much, is uh, the impact that digital natives are having. Let's dig in a little bit on those. In fact, I think generative AI is really interesting. And I want to go deeper with you on that and AI topics in general in just a minute. So pin that, and I want you to go just a little bit deeper on these other three that you, that you, that you listed. So when you say unified commerce, um, we've got people who listen to this podcast who are coming from the retail industry and some who are not. Mm -hmm. From the perspective of what we all are, which is retail consumers and shoppers, what is, a unified, what is unified commerce referring to? It refers to the idea that uh, we are no longer separating the customer journey between an online and offline uh, experience. It's about bringing those together and, and making it seamless. Uh, a good example is probably just the, if you're using your uh, retailer's app on your phone at home, you start the customer journey there, searching, browsing, whatever. When you move to the store, maybe it's told you where to find it and what aisle to find it in. Um, and perhaps you buy there, or perhaps you fulfill it uh, in a, right there on your phone and skip the checkout, right? So it's just, it's a customer journey that is um, uniform across online and offline and has a connected experience across all of those. You know, I, I had, a, I'd say I had a, an interesting, you know, the, we think about, we talked about Walmart and, and there were some huge brand retailers at, at NRF, I'm sure. Just just recently though, locally, I had an experience with, uh, with a company who provides driver's ed training and services for teenagers in my neighborhood. Okay. It's a regional company and they do this thing. Small company is the kind of thing where you're driving around and you see their logo and you see a frightened 15 year old sitting there behind the wheel, learning to learning to drive their car. And I've got, I've got teenagers at home and I've had to work with this company for my own kids on their driver's training. And you wouldn't expect it, but they have a great unified commerce experience. Mm where I can be online and I can be booking appointments and driving and things like that. And then I've got a problem or I've got a question or something I can't solve online. I call up or when I walk in the storefront and I'm amazed at how much they know, Oh, it looks like you've done these things. You've had these experiences here, are your preferences on time and those kinds of things. And the, the conversation that I'm having with the human being in the store is just a continuation of the conversation that I started online. And when I go back online, the, the human experience has somehow magically transferred back into online. And this is a local regional retail outfit. 
Yeah. Right. Not even technically a, a product seller, but they fit in the kind of retail category. Um, uh, is that the kind of thing that we're talking about in a small scale? 100%. And the call to action for retailers on that and for technologists in retail is really about those backend systems. The reason why maybe your local regional provider is so far ahead in unified commerce is because they started a bit more digital native. They had less legacy to deal with, right? If you think about the POS, um, those systems have been around for ages. Uh, right. They've evolved slowly. There, uh, a lot of them are monoliths, um, and there are new uh, POSs out there that um, naturally help make it so that whatever you were doing online is visible to that associate in store, which then results in amazing uh, customer experience. Interesting, interesting. There, the observation that maybe a newer, smaller retailer wouldn't have as much of an uphill battle with some of this because they're starting out. They're thinking about this from day one. Or, uh, or at least they should be. Um, question on modern store experiences. There's been a lot of stuff in the news lately about retailers like pulling back from self-checkout. Yeah. I'm not sure that as a shopper, we all feel like, if, if that's what we mean by modern store experiences, I'm not sure that as a shopper, we all feel like that's awesome. What are you talking about when you say modern store experiences? Tell us, tell me it's something better than uh, than self-checkout. I'm not sure that the folks uh, on the show floor uh, of NRF heard the message about pulling back because there are <laughs> aisles and aisles and aisles of frictionless self-checkout. And in oh, the sense, uh, modern store uh, or frictionless checkout has definitely matured in the right venues. If you think about, um, if you go to a sporting event, there's a lot in there. It's a very confined set of product and it does work well. And we're going to evolve that, I promise you. And you're going to someday, you don't want to stay forever at the checkout. You're, we're going to evolve eventually. Just give us some time to where that frictional experience is good for a whole cart of groceries. It just doesn't happen to be as good right now. But it is coming. What else is in that, what, what else is in that category? How else are we trying to modernize? Uh, we're trying to modernize. It goes back to unified commerce to some extent and modernize the tools that the associates have. Handhelds with apps that are no longer, I mean, uh, stores are so driven by paper sometimes in the back end of the store. And associates uh, don't even have their own email company email address. Uh, the mm. communication is is poor. And so um, much less when you come in and have a store experience with associate, knows you, knows what your online journey is, and can actually look up your order, find it if it's in stock, send you where you need to go, and do it in a very uh, quick and efficient way. Tell, tell us a little bit about the uh, the digital natives. You added that on to the end and their particular their particular impact. It's funny that this is all going back to unified commerce, but, but digital natives have figured out that uh, they can't just be um, online, that the store experience of connecting with those customers firsthand is important. Uh, now, the interesting part that I found interesting was uh, digital natives um, pride themselves in having built communities and community experiences. And that's why those brands and the marketing of those brands goes up so fast and people adopt and they love and cherish and freshly loyal to those products. When they are doing a live physical store, either pop-ups or making a store or being part of a store, a uh, traditional retailer, they are trying to bring those community experiences there, getting people together, doing meetups, different, uh, making that, that emotional connection between the brand and the community of people. I think that'll challenge traditional re retailers a little bit to kind of meet and match that sort of experience. And then I think there's something generational. I talked about my high school kids. I've got kids in college and their proclivity toward um, toward communities and toward tight-knit communities that share a common appreciation for something is so strong. Um, you could see this idea of what starts out as like, yeah, we're gonna, we've got a cool product, we're gonna sell and ship it online. If they're smart, they've built an online community around that. And then it turns out particularly for, for a certain generation, 
those folks are going to love being able to to connect, you know, IRL and and meet and build on that um, build on that sort of connecting thing, whatever it is, which seems funny. It seems like a lot of woo woo for what's really a very capitalistic venture about selling things to people. But but I think that that you're right that that we're going to find over time that people are drawn to those experiences and away from uh, some of the more kind of just impersonal walk in, grab your thing, check it out and go and go back up, go back up uh, online at home to connect. If they can connect in person, it, there's value in that. Right? It certainly is the expectations of Gen Z, Gen Z and na- digital native shoppers that is going to continue mm-hmm. to push the change in retail that conference after conference, year after year, when we continue to try and meet those expectations, including frictionless checkout. <laughs> Right. And let's get it right. Let's get it right. We will. Uh, I just want, I just want, if there's something about the bag of grapes, the bag of grapes always means I get the little red light and I have to wait for somebody to come over and put their ID card in. If we can solve the bag of grapes problem, I'm, I'm, I'm back into believing on, uh, I'm, I'm back as a believer in, uh, in self-checkout. So a, a bit of a on tangent me. on modern store though, before we, before we leave it is that there are a lot of solutions. Like I said, there are aisles and aisles of vendors. And all of them come with their own platform. All of them come with their own piece of hardware. And that's no longer going to stand. I think we'll start to see where, um, and there are people, including Google Cloud with Google Distributed Cloud Edge, are building out a uh, base foundation upon which many of these solutions can then be hosted. So there's a lot of evolution to go and making it operationalized and everything else, but we'll get there. All right. Well, speaking of uh, technology and evolution, let's go back on the on the AI topic a little bit. And, and Gen AI is what's driving the hype cycle right now. But most folks who listen to this podcast understand that AI has been around. I actually heard a, heard a person yesterday refer to old fashioned AI, mm-hmm. which cracks me up. We're at the point now where we have old fashioned artificial intelligence versus generative AI. Um, one of the things that we're finding, you can tell me if this if this seemed to be the case uh, at NRF, is that Business leaders seem to know that this is something that they should be doing, but it seems daunting. It seems nebulous. It's not clear what it is, what they should do, how they can put it to work. So we've got this challenge of this kind of big, scary opportunity that everybody says is amazing and you should do something. We've got Sam Walton's mandate not to sit on our hands and try to stay out mm-hmm. in front of, of that technology. Um, how how can, can you help take the fear out of this a little bit, right? Where should retailers start? with AI, with Gen AI, and, and talk a little bit about the, the work that you're doing and the things that SADA can do to help on some of those um, initial steps. Pressure is certainly on, especially for the leaders in the industry to figure out how to use Gen AI. <clears throat> and they're looking to have a balance there of driving the innovation while also making sure the risk is reduced, right? And that value is produced. So that's, uh, that is a little bit daunting, but it's not as hard as it seems. Um, there are, you talked about, would you call it old fashioned AI or traditional AI? Old fashioned AI. Yeah. (laughs) One really interesting place to start is the fact that a lot of traditional AI solutions are being extended with gen AI. You would kind Mm -hmm. of rely on products like, um, a very mature area of using AI is retail search and recommendations, for example. Mm -hmm. And while that Mm -hmm. used traditional AI to date, um, they are extending it. So, um, just to kind of explain what that is, uh, if you think about um, recommendations, it's when you're at a at a web page shopping, you'll see you may also like others like you bought this, things like that. Those are generic recommendations, trying to make an affinity between a customer and uh, what they know about that customer personally and um, the, the what they're shopping for now and, and providing something that will increase the basket size or increase the conversion rate. 
Um, they're extending that with Gen AI, uh, which would be called, it's a conversational commerce type approach. This is what Google is doing. So Rec AI is still on the back of that, but now a customer can start to ask some natural language questions of, of that commerce site and say, hey, I am looking to go to a mm, cocktail party or I'm looking to go to a Taylor Swift concert and start to ask questions about back and forth about narrowing in on the choices of what that customer should maybe buy in sort of more of a conversational format than the traditional search that we used to use. That is a, a pattern that we're seeing a, a, a lot that does tend to be a good starting point in, in Gen AI parlance. It's a, it's a resource augmented generation. So you've got You've got the big large language model um, that, that's sitting there having you know, sucked in all of human knowledge and put it together in a big numerical model. And then you can create solutions that, that use that capability augmented with your organization's private data. So you've got your customer list and you know tons about those customers. You've got your uh, product list and you know tons about those products. You've got information on your suppliers, on your contracts. Those things don't get incorporated into the into the underlying large language model like like Google Bard or ChatGPT that information isn't there good thing it's not supposed to be it's your private data but what we have and the mechanisms that we have in Google Cloud allow us to take their underlying large language models and in real time augment it with a retailer's private data or any organization's private data and now you can use uh, gen ai quality natural language searches in order to query and get information about your private data, that's, that's an amazing experience and seems to me like a, a, a reasonable place to start. Would you agree? Yeah, it certainly is. Another great place to start is maybe on the back end, uh, things like enabling your associates with um, Gen AI capabilities and those apps that I was talking about earlier. It's a safer place to, to start versus something that's public and uh, maybe would uh, suffer from some of the inaccuracy that we still see in Gen AI. That's a good point. And in some ways, um, the, the big, large language models kind of know too much. And so you can already find out there on the internet walls of shame of people who've gone to the chat bot for their local grocery store retailer and gotten it to deliver up to them, you know, histories of the Miss America pageant for the last hundred years and all, all kinds of crazy tangential topics and things. And, and that isn't an experience that you want to put in front of your customers and, until we are really good at controlling the boundaries of the behavior of these massive machines, it can be a little bit dangerous sometimes. Um, and so I, I like what you're saying here that you might be safer starting out by creating tools that empower your own people, Correct. right? And then you can give them the caveat, say there's a one in five chance that you might get a weird answer. If so, ask us. Yeah. You don't want to have to say that to your customers, but you can say that to your associates. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's exciting. Um, uh, SADA offers a Gen AI workshop, yes. um, which is just a short engagement. Depending on the length of it, it's, it's something that can be at no cost. It's, it can have a, a cost associated with it, depending on how deeply we want to go. But that's about um, just just for any any business leader who's thinking, I, I think I should be doing something with Gen AI, but I don't know what. We can come in and help to tease apart those use cases and find that uh, find that low hanging fruit. So I'll just offer that plug for our services. And uh, if, if it's a retailer, then you'll get our Gen AI uh, expertise as well as um, Joyce's expertise in the, in the industry, which have been on full display here, Joyce. This has been really exciting. One of the favorite things about my job is just working with smart people and people who know so much about the spaces that they're working in. So the insights and things that you have shared um, so far have been great. 
uh, have been interesting and entertaining, and I appreciate it. Um, I have one question for you before we wrap up here. Do you have one bold prediction for next year's NRF? I don't know if I have a bold prediction for next year's NRF, but I have some predictions for sure. And I suppose they will materialize themselves at NRF where we talk about all the latest things. Um, I think you'll still see aisles and aisles of people trying to work on frictionless checkout for sure. I think some of the economics of those solutions and vision AI solutions will start to uh, come through and the foundational platforms will be maturing this year. Uh, In addition, I could predict that at NRF, we will still be talking about Gen AI and how to do it well and safely and produce value while still innovating. Awesome. Great. Well, we will, um, we'll come back in a year and, uh, and check in on this and we'll come back and we'll resync on these predictions. We will see how well, how well they've played out, but uh, my money's on you, Joyce. Thank you um, again for joining. And, and thanks for everybody who's been listening today. We appreciate you. We hope that this is time well spent. Um, We hope that you will, whatever platform you're on, hit the appropriate combinations of likes and subscribes to make sure that you get the the notifications when we're releasing new content, which is about every couple of weeks on a wide variety of topics on digital transformation, on data, on cloud computing, um, all of which we hope is interesting and relevant to you. And uh, and so we'll, we'll see you then on another episode of Cloud and Clear. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.